Well, Happy New Year, and welcome back to The Messy Table, an ordinary space where we can slow down and remember that God is at work in our mess. And so if you're listening to this in real time, it is the second week of the new year in 2023, and I don't know about you, but I am expectant for what God has for us this year, for the ways we're going to grow, for the goodness that has yet to be revealed through His character, His creation, and His people. So if we haven't yet had the chance to meet, my name is Jen Jewell, and I consider it an honor to host this faith-fueled conversation-style podcast, which unleashes a fresh perspective packed with truth and encouragement into your world and your speakers every other Tuesday. And back with me today is my amazing co-host, is my good friend, Amy Groeschel. Y'all, we are partnered with the women of our church, Life Church. And we also love locking arms with women from all over the world, all across the global church. So wherever you are and whatever your story, we are honestly so glad you're here. And if you're currently taking the time to listen to this podcast, chances are you want to honor God this year. You want to leverage your life to know Him and to make Him known with the goal not just to do better, but to truly honor Him. And so maybe right now you are laser focused on doing that with your physical health, your spiritual health, or even your mental health. But what about your digital health? It's something that this generation needs to think about for really the first time in history. And we know this is on the mind of lots of our incredible listeners because we have gotten many requests to talk about how to navigate this tech-obsessed world for ourselves, for our families, and for the people we love. So I have good news, and that is that today we get to hear from Arlene Pelican, a wife and a mom, as well as an author, speaker, podcaster, and masterclass host, who's here to chat with Amy Groeschel and myself about setting digital boundaries and prioritizing happy homes, which we will let Arlene explain. So you know when someone else puts in hours and hours of research and time to really get to the bottom of an issue? Well, Arlene has done that for us. She's done so much research. She's written books and co-authored books with Gary Chapman, who's famous for his book on the five love languages. And although, of course, we can't cover everything today, this is a great place to start. But a heads up, Arlene will probably challenge your thinking and will definitely stretch your perspective. But if you want to be empowered, to be proactive and intentional and to go online with purpose, join Amy and me for a chat with Arlene right now at The Messy Table. Well, Arlene, hello. We are so grateful to have you here. So, so grateful. Can't wait to hear all the things that you have to share. And so welcome to The Messy Table. It's so much fun to be together. I'm so happy we get to do this. I am so thankful God put you on my heart, Arlene, because you've been such a resource Mm -hmm. to the body of Christ. And it's just exciting that from all those years ago when I met you in San Diego, which I know you're a San Diego girl, had this great opportunity for not only me to get to know you better, but our listeners to hear just the wealth of information, the wealth of knowledge and wisdom that you've gained. So before we dive in, let's just get the tip of the iceberg of who you are. Tell us a little about your family, what you're doing lately, and what is life like for you right now? I was the girl who, like in her 20s, really wanted to get married and was praying, Jesus, please give me a husband. I want to have a happy family. Please, 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 please. And it felt like, where is he? You know? 
And I married at 27, which I think sounds very normal and natural now. But when I was growing up, that was kind of late. So I was like, when is this going to happen? So the Lord's really blessed me with a wonderful husband. His name is James. And just like most marriages, you know, we have a lot of the values are similar. The execution, completely different. (laughs) That's usually kind of how it goes. So So we have three children. Our oldest is Ethan. He's a college freshman. He's 18. So this is kind of a new season for us. But we are super like, I mean, people will laugh at us because it's like, that's not like sending a kid to college because he only went two hours away. He's been playing ultimate Frisbee and it's brought him to San Diego three weekends in a row. So it's like, what is this? Like, so it's been nice. We've seen him a lot. And then I've got a junior. Her name is Noelle and I have a eighth grader. Her name is Lucy. So we've got great kids. My mom and dad are close by. I'm an only child. They're only five minutes away. And I wanted to write about a happy home because I was fortunate, blessed enough to grow up in a happy home where my mom was very happy. You know, my friends would be like, is your mom always like this? <laughs> I'd be like, yeah, she pretty much is almost like this. So she's very like happy and enthusiastic. So my parents, they gave me a very solid, loving upbringing. And so to me, when you say the word home, it's like, oh, that's a place of refuge. That's a mm-hmm. place where people believe in you. That's a place where you belong. And I know that is not the case for a lot of people. So that's why I really love to write and talk about how can you have a happy home if you were not necessarily raised in one and how the Mm -hmm. decisions you make, and they're very basic decisions, but if you will make consistent decisions, you will have a much happier home. And really, when I say a happy home, it's not like, oh, we give our children everything they want because we got to keep them happy. You know, that is not Mm -hmm. a happy home. A happy home is where the presence of God is welcome because in His presence, Mm -hmm. there's fullness of joy. It's where a husband and wife love each other because in that context, that gives the kids, you know, so much security. So the, the marriage comes first, not the parenting comes first. And then that the children are obeying the parents and not the other way around. So these very simple principles mm. really do help a home be much happier. So I've like been... you said, the execution can the be... The execution, yes. that's right. Yeah. And we've kind of done things differently with technology. We live in Southern California. We live in San Diego. My kids have always gone to public school, but they don't have phones. Ooh. So they... You know, all through high school, they don't have phones. You know, so my my eighth grader doesn't mm. have a phone. My junior doesn't have a phone. My college student just got a phone wow. the summer before his college year. So that makes us really, really weird. Wow. But I can testify that that's been really for us a big piece of being a happy home that we didn't have that big distraction in our lives when the kids were growing up. Okay, that answered one of my questions already about what age do you give them their phone? If you're the Pelicans, 30. No, I'm teasing. (laughs) (laughs) And how did your kids not turn you into the authorities? (laughs) Exactly right. Like these parents, this has worked really well for us. So I do want people to feel like they could do it. I know it's not for everyone. I know you might think we're Mm -hmm. crazy. I totally get that and it's fine. But you're asking yourself like, what is this smartphone supposed to do? Like, why am Mm -hmm. I getting it? Why does my child need it? And if it's about, well, I need to pick them up after school or I want them to be able to text their friends or I want them to be in a group text, then really a dumb phone would do the trick. You don't have to have a phone that's hooked up to the internet. There's lots of safe phones. You know, the Gab family phone is one we got this year. It's just called the Gab phone, but it's basically a dumb phone where you can do all those things, but no internet. So do your kids use that as like a home phone? What's really funny is so our kids knew from the time they're in elementary school, like as you grow up, guys, you're not going to have a phone. You know, you're not going to need it. It's something that is going to be a distraction. And, you know, we have a lot of technology in the house. 
So it's not like we don't have tech in the house. And it's not mm-hmm. like they don't use the tech. They get laptops from school. You've got a family iPad that everybody shares. You know, it's not like we're afraid of technology. We just mm-hmm. were, didn't want to give the personal tech to all of a sudden, oh, this is mm-hmm. now this black hole into social media, into video games, into pornography, into always, you know, trying to catch up with your friends. It's really distracting, you know, whatever. So that's what we had told them. You're not going to have that. And truly, as they've grown up, they will even say, I asked my junior, like, okay, you know, is it your senior year? Do you want to talk about having a phone? And she's like, no, mom, I really don't want a phone my senior year. I really don't want one. So they Mm. actually buy in because they do see the quality of their life compared to the quality of the life of like their friend. And they can tell like, well, I don't always be looking down, looking at my phone. Like, and then they have interests, like they do stuff. So it's like, how am I going to have time to play tennis or ride horses or do art? Like, how am I going to have time Mm -hmm. to read comic books if I'm on my phone all the time? So it is interesting if you can raise your kids in this way that they realize I don't really need that. So yeah, they haven't called CPS (laughs) on us or anything. They're doing okay. Well, it starts with you, it sounds like. It starts with the adult. Yeah, and there are workarounds, you know, so they use my phone, they follow who they want to on my Instagram account, and I'm fine with that. Is that inconvenient? So I've got tennis players and Dude Perfect on all this stuff on my Instagram account. (laughs) No, it's okay, I don't mind it. I'd rather them be looking at it on my phone than having their own. So you're kind of working through, like, how can we accomplish the things that you want and can we do that without a phone? And surprisingly, we found many times the answer was yes. Wow. Okay. Well, just to back up a little bit, I yeah. love that you're passionate about families having happy homes. I am so excited to dig in even more kind of mm-hmm. on this topic of digital health. I heard yeah. a friend say that one time and I thought, and I love that because there's physical health and there's spiritual yeah. health, there's mental health and digital health for both adults and kids. And then of course, you know, there's not just parents, but there's also grandparents. And you've written all kinds of amazing books like Growing Up Social, Screen Kids, Grandparenting Screen Kids, Parents Rising, all kinds of good stuff. And so I know you'd probably say like, oh, I'm not fully an expert, but (laughs) by the world standards, you kind of are. And so we just want to hear some of your wisdom, if there's any more backstory that you want to share. And then really just what is it that has really led you to leading families to be happy in this way? I love Mm -hmm. that you said the fullness of joy, to have joy in all kinds of areas, but especially digitally. Yeah, so many things here, you know, and it really is true that what you model is what's most important. So if you want your kids Mm -hmm. to be digitally healthy, and what do we mean by that? We mean that, you know, they're sleeping eight hours a night. They can do their homework. They have relationships in real time where they have real people that they laugh with and that they can tell their deepest stories to. Mm -hmm. You know, they're involved in church. They serve. They sing. They do things. You know, that's healthy. And so the digital should be something to be part of that. You know, digitally, you can have things that are good. We call those digital vegetables. They're the (laughs) things like, hey, we're going to, you know, watch a sermon. Great. Mm -hmm. That's a digital vegetable. I'm going to learn a language, digital vegetable. I'm going to find about how I can impact clean water in this impoverished country. That's a digital vegetable. The kids and the adults, we never get in trouble for doing this. We don't wake up at three o'clock in the morning and say like, oh, I'm going to do my study (laughs) of First Corinthians. You know, like nobody does this. So these are digital vegetables. If your kid wants to learn how to be a mechanic and they're learning how to change oil in the car, digital vegetable. They want to learn how to play the violin. So that's the good stuff. And that's digital health. Like let's use technology to further our goals to further Mm -hmm. what God has called me to do and to make me a more well-rounded person, let me use that. So great, vegetable. But the problem is once it's in our hand, what happens to us? It's like, okay, I've had my three minutes of vegetables. Now I'm going to watch 
YouTube and Netflix. And it's for parents and kids alike. You know, it's not just kids. It's not just teenagers that are distracted. Like, you know, you'll go into a restaurant and you'll see a grandma and a grandpa and they're both heads down on their phone because it's like this new technology. It doesn't respect age. It's not just kids, you know, Mm -hmm. that it takes over. It's any age of person. And so once we eat that candy, And we have to remember, this isn't a a thing about like, well, I'm really godly and I have self-control, so I'm going to be fine. We have to understand that, no, wait, this technology has been engineered by a thousand people on the other side of that phone to say, how can we make this experience more pleasurable, this experience Mm -hmm. more memorable, this experience that you've got to come back to it, that you have to have more How do we make this more addictive? Brain scientists, psychologists, all those things. And so to realize, wait a minute, if I, my brain is fully formed as I have, I'm an adult and I'm having trouble, like checking my email too much throughout the day. I keep touching my phone to check my email. Like, oh, wow, look, I got, you know, a junk email, you know, wow. (laughs) What is a kid going to do without a fully formed brain that has access to this phone? So really, we have to get more serious. Because our thought is, well, everyone's got a phone. Every kid's on social media and every kid's playing video games. So certainly this has got to be okay. But the truth is, wait a minute, look at these numbers. You know, they looked at kids from 2004 to 2014, 37% increase in depression in teenagers, 37% spike. It's a big spike. What happened? Well, we got phones in 2004 and we got iPads and we started doing things digitally instead of in real life. So talk about, Mm -hmm. you know, really, it's really more digital unhealth than health. And so for us to realize this is such a huge part of the family because how much time is spent with everyone sitting in the same room, but everyone on their own devices versus the TV of yesteryear, which was one TV show with everyone looking at the same screen. You know, so Mm -hmm. we've become very individualized in our homes, little silos of mom watches this, dad watches this, kid sister watches this. I'm a teenager. I'm too old. I watch this. And everyone has their own personal entertainment, but it's so unhealthy because we have this huge, like all this digital intake, but no love, Mm -hmm. no love of God, no love of each other. And so I think having those conversations with your kids is that, hey, is that a digital vegetable or digital candy? Like that's a fun start. Even when you have a two-year-old, a four-year-old, 10-year-old, 15-year-old, just say the concept. It's just like physical food. Like a little bit of candy is fine, but if you eat candy all Mm -hmm. day, you will get sick. You might not see it when you're 20, but when you're 40, you're going to be really sick if you eat candy all day. Mm -hmm. And it's the same thing digitally. So explain that to your kids, to yourself. So you see that, wait a minute, I don't want to build that kind of future. I better put some more vegetables in here or I better put this down. And to realize Mm -hmm. as parents, as grandparents, if we give our kid a device, like here's your tablet, here's your phone, it's like giving them a huge family size bag of M&Ms putting it on their hip and saying, hey, buddy, you know, 10 a day, really yummy, delicious. Don't have any more than 10, okay? Good luck. What kid or adult is going to have a huge bag of M&Ms on their office desk and be able to say, yeah, I'm just going to eat 10 a day because, you know, I have Mm self-control. It's impossible. So for us to realize, wait a minute, if we really truly believe that they need to limit their digital candy, we have to help Mm -hmm. them. Like as a parent, you have to help your children. They cannot do that on themselves. So boundaries and physical environment. Don't make it that they have to fight it all the time. Just take it out of the environment. And as an adult, you know, I just interviewed an adult who he's in his 40s and his wife has his password because he only gets 12 minutes on Instagram. (laughs) He cannot change it. His wife has it. So these are limits that adults can set as well. Oh, Arlene, my head Mm -hmm. is spinning. So there's two things I want to unpack. And I know Jen does too. 
first of all, like, where did all this level of intensity and intentionality and where you purpose to learn about and ride and be super disciplined in your family's modeling and, and lifestyle with this, where did that come from? And the second thing that I can't forget is the vegetable part because I'm listening to you and I know maybe you can talk about it later as we dive even deeper, but like my problem is can't we overeat our vegetables? I feel like I can just totally say I've spent eight hours on my phone this whole day, but it's been productive. It's been educational, nutritional, Mm -hmm. but I'm still overeating. Like elephants only eat produce, but they weigh a ton. And so I need help to stop eating too many vegetables, you know? I feel like with that vegetable, you're right. And it is true. Like, I mean, if you eat vegetables all day long, you're going to be sitting in the bathroom all day long too. So even though they're good for you, it's true that there is a limit because you have to switch channels. Like if I'm on my tablet all the time, on my laptop all the time, on my phone all the time, and I'm doing good and godly things that are honoring to God, that are good for my job, good for my family, et cetera. But what am I not doing, mm-hmm. right? I'm not outside probably, I'm not being refreshed by God's nature. I'm not moving. I'm probably perfectly still the whole time. So physically, it's like you need to stand up, your eyesight, you need to look away from your screen. That is a wonderful point of you can overdo the good stuff too, because that means, oh, I didn't you know, kiss my husband or I didn't walk the dog or I didn't take a drive or I didn't visit a friend. There are other things that could be done to round all those things out. How I got involved in this is the Lord's direction. My family, I can go back to my husband, his father, was very much like you people are not playing video games. So this was in the age of Atari and all his friends would go to his friend's house and play Atari because they didn't own it, you know, and it's like they were the kind of family when he asked for a gym set, you know, weights that they gave him a shovel. You know, that was the kind of family that he grew up in. And so I think that has something to do with it that my husband looks, he's a realtor and he'll say, I will show homes to people and there will be teenagers in the backseat. They never look up once from their phone. We go into the house that they're about to buy. They never look up. They never look at the house. They never look around. They never look to compare which house do we want to buy. They're just looking at the phone. And we had little kids then. And he's like, there is no way that my child is going to grow up like that. So that's where a lot of that came from, that stubbornness. Like there's no way if I have anything to do with it, that my child is going to grow up like that, Mm -hmm. that they think that's normal. So that's in our family where that came from, Mm -hmm. that we made that as your husband Craig says that we predecided, yeah. like we predecided that when they're older, we don't want that. So this is what we're going to do. Mm-hmm. So that's for us that informed you no know, video games in the home, no social media until maybe you're a senior in high school, no personal smartphones. That's what informed that decision. And then Moody Publishers came along years ago, it was probably 2012. And had said, we see this, Dr. Chapman seeing this in his counseling, that more and more people are asking for counseling because their kid's addicted or they're on the phone all the time. They're not communicating, no love languages, everybody's run dry. So they wanted to write on that. But, you know, Dr. Chapman is an older man, his grandchildren, et cetera. So they wanted to couple him with someone who had kids and who could give kind of that story side of it. So they, believe it or not, I mean, can you imagine, reached out to me saying, would you like to co-write this book with Dr. Gary Chapman? And it's like, (laughs) I fell on the floor. 
So that's kind of how that started. So that was really a setup from the Lord to open that door. And then really it just allowed us just to share what was happening in our own home and the good results we were getting in our own home from that. And you know, may the Lord just make it very clear to you that are listening. This is not meant to make you feel like, oh no, like I'm an awful mom. I gave my kid a phone or like, I didn't do it. Like Arlene did it. I must be, no, that's not what this is about. Mm -hmm. This is about like, this is a way you can do it. Like if you have younger kids and you're listening, you can feel like I don't have to do what everyone else was doing. You know, Daniel wasn't doing what all the other Babylonian people were doing. So you can Mm -hmm. feel like I can do it different. And if your kids are older and you have regret, you know, Dr. Chapman always talks about that you start with that apology. You know, it's the messy table that you say, I've never been a Mm -hmm. mom to a teenager before. And I gave you this phone because I thought it would make you happy and be connected to your friends. But I see instead that you've been really depressed lately and it doesn't seem like it's helping you. So it's my fault. I'm sorry. I paid for it. I bought it. I'm the one who's supposed to protect you and it's on me. And I'm really, really sorry. And why don't we work together to kind of make this as right as possible? And now at Mm. least they know you care and they're not going to jump up and down, you know, like, I'm collecting your phone now. And they're (laughs) not going to be like, yay, you're the best mom ever. (laughs) I mean, you're going to have to stand there and take the heat. But that's our job. That's our job. But it's never too late Mm -hmm. to put more limits, loving limits for your child so they can experience more of life. That's so good. I like how you're connecting this spiritually. So how can we honor God with the technology we have in our lives? And we're asking that question in a billion ways, right? Like, how can I honor God in my workplace? How can I honor God as a mom? How can I honor God as a friend in this specific situation with conflict or whatever it is? And then I also think about our listeners because I know so many of them and they are God honoring just real women who love God and are trying their best. And life is hard out there and it's not easy. And I do feel like, in this digital age that we really are trying to build the plane while we're also trying Mm -hmm. to fly it. And so trying to navigate and figure it out. And there are real complications. Like I'll even give a personal example that I have an eighth grade daughter who, you know, we had said no to phones for a super long time, finally let her have one that was super locked down. But the reason was because the sports that she was in, Mm -hmm. they're like sending messages about what they need to wear, what they need to be there, the coaches. And I'm not always with her when she's at school. And so she needed real-time updates, right? Yeah, right. Or like there was something for school. Or if my kid was going 45 minutes away to a basketball game and I would be meeting her there, I wanted to be able to communicate. And so I get that there are these things that come up. And to an extent, we're going to have to dive into this world at some point on some level. So I love that you're talking about boundaries and being wise. And you don't have to dive in with no limits, with no boundaries. Just here's the black hole of anything that you could ever want to search for and find on your phone. So could you speak to that a little bit of just maybe if someone has already gone there, what are some things that someone could be thinking about? I really like that you asked this question. I've heard recently about the driving analogy. And I like that so much that when you start to drive, it's not like, okay, here's the keys, no limits, have a good time. It's like, okay, first (laughs) we kind of practice, like maybe you're underage and we're in an empty parking lot and we had you drive a little bit, or maybe you drive a tractor, Mm -hmm. or maybe you drive a little go-kart or a lawnmower, you know, you're kind of learning. And then you have a provisional permit, you know, you have to take a test and you have to study for it. And then you've got to always have someone next to you. And then even when you get your license, then you can't have anyone that's underage or that's, you know, in your car for a while, all those things. 
And if we can think that same way about when we introduce a new technology and let our kids know that's how we're approaching it, that this is something very powerful. Like your computer probably could have like flown the original, you know, rocket to the moon or something like there's a lot of power there. Yeah. So that we're not just going to give this to you, but we're going to kind of go through it. And when we see, oh, this isn't working, like either we see that you're unhealthy or you're really sassing off to your parents or you're really dropping the ball and then we're going to take it. So all these things, it's not like a surprise, like you never told me. No, no, we did tell you. And also realize that you may sign a quote unquote contract with your kid. And that's good. I suggest that. But kids are kids and they may not hold up their end of the bargain. You know, like adults Mm -hmm. feel like I'm an adult. I must hold up my contract. You know, but we have to realize like, okay, you're 12 or you're 10 and you don't really have this idea of I'm going to hold up the contract. So just keep it in mind with your kids that you're checking and you're saying like, is this working? Is this not working? So what does that look like? That might look like if you're with a girl, sit next to mommy and let's scroll through my Instagram account and let's Mm -hmm. look through it and then talk about like, oh, this is what I really like about this person or, oh, you know what? I really should like delete this person because they have nothing good to say or I did this like three years ago when I said, and I I never look at this. I You know, so and just kind of talk through that you also struggle with what in the world am I doing? Look at all this stuff. And did it really enhance my life? Or this is how I use it. Or this I heard from Chris McKenna from Protect Young Eyes that I really like, as if you saw something inappropriate. So you're sitting next to them and you're like, oh, look, I just clicked on this thing and it took me and I just saw something really inappropriate. What do I do? You know, Mm because it's going to happen and let your kid know this is going to happen to you. You know, you see that thing appropriate. Okay, you're going to look away from it and you're going to tell somebody. You're going to tell, you know, whoever you trust. Maybe it's a big sister. Maybe it's mom, dad, youth pastor, youth worker, whatever. Hopefully you have the relationship with your kid that they'll tell you that they'd come to you and be like, mom, you know, I clicked on this thing and I saw this and like these kids, they can't unsee this. And so it's really bad. But then they cover it with shame. And no, you don't want that. So you want always a very open relationship, you know, and explain to the child, okay, you didn't do anything wrong. Like all this garbage is out there. And that's why we're so cautious. Like the Wall Street Journal, they posed as a 13-year-old on TikTok just to see what they'd get. Mm -hmm. And they got like 500 videos about drugs. They got like 100 videos about paid porn. They got all these like crazy Mm. things posing as a 13-year-old. So, you know, tell your child, it's not you. The world is a dark place. They're trying Mm -hmm. to sell you stuff. They're trying to enslave you. They're trying to hook you to this phone. So that's why we're having this conversation. So just tell us about it. Let's talk about it. It's not on you. And anytime that happens, you just come talk to me. And if that's a welcoming experience, right? So we have to, as moms, like, don't be shocked. Don't freak Mm -hmm. out. Be super calm. Mm -hmm. Just listen and freak out to your friends, but don't freak out to (laughs) your child, you know? Mm -hmm. So I think talk about it as if it's driving. Let them know it's provisional. It's not like, oh, I bought you this phone and now it's yours because they'll think it's mine. You can't tell me what to do. It's mine. And then you say, okay, fine. If you want to start paying for it, and that's even something to get skin in the game, have your kid pay for half. So they understand this isn't just like some free item, like this is expensive and you need to be responsible Mm -hmm. for it. So I think those things will help. Yeah. Well, and I like the driving analogy because the truth is, if you don't follow the rules, if you don't abide by the laws when Mm -hmm. you're driving, then there are repercussions and you can get your license revoked. You get things taken away from you. And so that's a good example. Yeah. We totally made the mistake of giving them phones. They got entitled and thought they were their phone while we're paying for it. So that didn't go well. And so I always recommend that you say, hey, we're going to bless you with the use of our phone, you know, a phone we got, but it's ours and we're paying for it. So they know that, you know, it's not theirs and that we always have access to it. 
to see what's on it. It's overwhelming to think once they do have some digital device that's connected to the internet or all things, it quickly gets overwhelming. Even like, okay, how do you properly, you know, lock down the phone, which Craig's gotten good at, thankfully, but a lot of people are clueless about that. And it takes so much time, like these conversations that you're talking about saying, tell your kids about this, have these conversations about this. For one, they're going to get pushback. They don't want to, and I say this speaking for myself as well, go into that mess of an argument with your kid and then go, all the other kids and you're weird. How can you motivate that parent and that that person who's overwhelmed with, they know that they should, for their child's own good, take this challenge on to, to do better, to create boundaries, to create something healthier. What do you do to motivate them to say, it is worth it to do this? I remember speaking about this and a man came and he was just like this rugged looking man, probably 60 years old, probably a farmer, you know, hard worker all his life. And he came and he said, I've let my, I guess he couldn't have been 60, he's probably in his 50s. I let my daughter have her phone in her room and I've known all this time it's not good for her, but I've done nothing. Yeah. But mm. now I have the courage to do it. And I think when we see other people, like you're listening to this and you're thinking, oh my goodness, it's only me. It's not only you. Mm -mm. It's like 90% of the moms next to you are feeling the same way of, I know I'm supposed to do X, Y, Z. I know I'm supposed to take away that phone. I know I'm supposed to say, you know what? Let's just do Instagram only and let's cool it on the other ones for a while and see how that goes. Or, hey, let's do your social media. Let's put a timer on and let's do that one hour a Mm -hmm. day and see how that goes for two weeks. So they know like, I know what to do, but I don't know how to do it. I just to have that courage to know other people are doing it. So this truly may be like going through my book, Screen Kids. There's discussion questions in there. Go through it with five other moms and do it together. Like there's strength. There's strength in doing it together and having each other's stories. You have to have a made up mind. You have to decide what's important to you. Your child will be glued to a device from the moment, you know, basically their whole life. I mean, look at us. We have the devices. Mm. It's not like, oh, they're going to miss out on so much. I mean, it's only a few more years and they're going to have this device this whole time. So to realize, wait a minute, you're only a child once. So it really breaks my heart when you see like an eight-year-old who should be like jumping and playing and having fun and doing Mm -hmm. all these things and putting up a store and making fake money. And instead, they're just like sitting in a corner, like looking at a phone, like that's not right. We are robbing Mm -hmm. childhood. So if you have a little one, it's like, wait a minute, this is not right. Get stubborn in your soul. Kids are going to be looking at devices their whole life, their whole adult life. Why in the world should they be spending their childhood looking at them too. So that get kind of mad about that. I think it's okay to get mad about what it is robbing your family from. And that may really truly give you the motivation to make some change. Look for specific change. Like don't just say, we'll do better. Say, you know, we're going to do the screen-free mealtime and that's where we're going to start. Or we're going to collect the phone at night now. Or we're going to do a challenge that we don't look at the phone first thing in the morning and last thing at night and the whole family's going to do it. And whoever really does it gets to pick the Friday night movie, you know, or whatever. Like (laughs) give yourself challenges that you do together as a family and really understand that, you know, Barna, they've done this research and talking about digital Babylon, like the stuff, you know, yeah, there's church, you know, you can see good Mm -hmm. things on there, Mm -hmm. but that's not the majority of what's being thrown at your child. And so they looked and they said among 15 to 23 year olds in an average year, so this is our kids as they're growing up, 
that they're going to see things out of digital Babylon. Just think of whatever the popular movie is right now, the popular music, the popular celebrities on Instagram, etc. They're going to have like 2,700 hours of that compared to only 291 hours of spiritual positive input. So you put up 2,700 hours next to Mm -hmm. 291 measly little hours, you know, think of like a picnic table and one plate is like this good sermon, reinforces your values, the Bible values is in a plate, but the rest of the whole picnic table is just digital Babylon. And we are Mm -hmm. trying as parents to push that back as much as possible. Mm -hmm. So when they do get to that point of like living in digital Babylon, they'll know, they can discern that's evil, that's going to do me harm or that's good. They need more time to be able to develop Mm -hmm. discernment. Because a lot of people will say, well, Arlene, if you push back now, when they go to college, they'll just go crazy. You know, they've not Mm -hmm. had the phone. They've not had access in their pocket. They're going to go crazy. But, you know, my son has been in college, yes, for a couple of months. So yeah, he has it, you know, so who knows, maybe in four years, you got to talk to me again. But he hasn't gone crazy. (laughs) He hasn't gone crazy. You know, it's instilled in our kids and you're giving them more time to build discernment. And I think that's the big thing because your child needs more time for discernment. And a kid who's 10, who's given all this digital Babylon, they're just going to eat it and buy it. And it's just going to be harder and harder to get them. And, you know, we talked about the spiritual input. If all you're used to is like fun, entertainment, right? Mm -hmm. If you sit down and you open up the Bible and you start reading in Deuteronomy, you know, by verse four, that Mm -hmm. 13-year-old is like, I'm out of church. Like this Like you haven't developed that muscle. The muscle's not there. Mm -hmm. But a kid who's been reading you know, reading books that they like, but reading, they pick up Deuteronomy, they can do that because they're Mm -hmm. used to reading. The kid who's been communicated with their friends mostly by text, they're used to that instant answer. When they talk to God, they pray, well, God didn't answer. Well, what happened, honey? You know, I I prayed for this on Tuesday and now it's Wednesday and didn't happen. So God must not be real. It's like, no, honey, that's not how that works. Mm -hmm. So we're learning a lot of ways of communication that we transfer onto God that it's like, that's not really how it works. I love when you said, get stubborn in your soul. And then I also think about what you were saying about that we're raising these kids to be adults and to function in the world, but we don't want them to be like the world and we don't want to be like the world. And so like you mentioned, it does start with us. And so what are some things that you tell yourself? Like, these are some things that I want to be about. Like, I know you're passionate about marriages. I know you're passionate about digital health and overall wellness. So just what are some things that it's so important that these are the things you tell yourself? Yeah, I think being intentional is super important. And I always thought, ah, the word intentional. I went to this recent conference with Legacy Coalition. It's a grandparenting ministry. And they showed this video about like, this is what a Christian grandparent is, which we would consider ourselves Christian parents. But then Mm -hmm. they said, but this is what an intentional Christian grandparent is. And they talked about how the intentional Christian grandparent, like, you know, we read the books at two, we walk with them at three, we pray over them at four, we take them to camp at five, Mm -hmm. like that you really have a plan for how are we going to instill faith in our kids. And you're very proactive. Mm -hmm. You're not just like waiting for things to happen. It's been kind of convenient. I'll tell you guys my secret, my trade secret. So I write these marriage and parenting books because it's where I'm at and it's a way for me to learn about it. So when I'm writing 31 Days to a Happy Husband, I'm interviewing 31 happy husbands and asking them like, what has been working in your marriage? And guess what Mm -hmm. that does? It helps me to learn those things. Mm -hmm. When I wrote Parents Rising, then I'm interviewing and talking to people like, how can you be the authority, but not authoritative? Mm -hmm. How can you, you know, put your marriage in a place where your kids will want to grow up to 
have a marriage like yours versus like, why would we ever get married? Like all mom and did was they'll fight all the time, all those things. So put yourself in the position of learning. So, you know, right now, you know, we have one in college and two on the way. So now it'd be like, okay, now I have to start learning about emptiness. I have to start learning and re-engaging in my marriage more because soon it's just going to be James and I. It does make life interesting. So embracing on this messy table that it's made of seasons. And so for me, my rhythm is, okay, what season am I in? What season am I going into? What do I need to learn next? And then it kind of makes life exciting. And then I really Mm. do like essentialism, you know, just that book, essentialism, and just make it more simple. Mm. We make it so complicated. So for us, it meant everyone plays one instrument. Everyone plays the piano because we just go to one place when we did Blue Dragon martial arts. Everyone does martial arts. Everyone does it at the same time. My husband and I did it too. We were in the kids class. All of us, we were like, my (laughs) husband was like, we're going to be there for the lessons. We might as well take it. So we just did them all together with our kids. So you simplify your life that you don't have it so crazy that you can't be thoughtful about your life. So I think that's been a lot of it is simplifying rhythms and having fun with your family. You know, it's funny. People think like, I don't know. I don't know how to say this. It doesn't sound weird, but we've really enjoyed having teenagers. And people always told us like, it's going to be so awful. It's going to be terrible. And Mm -hmm. I know it can be. I, I get that. That can be. But it really has been lovely. And I think sometimes we're so pessimistic that we think like, oh, that's not going to work. And that's when we have to think to ourselves, wait a minute. No, this could work. Like we've got to become more optimistic about, okay, maybe this isn't working right now in my family, but you know what? We could go to counseling and this might look a lot better and look for the 1% increase, you know, not like that night and day, like, wow, a magic wand and everything's different. No, but like, oh, look at that, you know, 1% increase. So I think we're always looking to grow and learn. And I do think that keeps the family alive. Your latest book is Calm, Cool, and Connected and And that's really what you're talking about here with these relationships is, you know, ways to connect and our digital devices keep us from face-to-face connection. And and I love that intentional parenting and grandparenting that it's the talking with and walking with and reading to and taking them along, that that's connection. Your book talks about the habits that we can have for the connection, the habits for our digital health. I might be jumping ahead, Jen, but I just am excited and thought that would... No, you're great. Don't want to miss out on our listeners knowing about these habits. Yeah, it's five digital habits. The reason I wanted to use the word habit is sometimes when it's willpower or it's like a new plan, it seems kind of like, oh, how am I going to fit that in? But you know, you never think about brushing your teeth, you just do it. So it's just Mm -hmm. a matter of like, how can we create more habits? So the H in habit is hold down the off button so that there are times in your day and your rhythms. So maybe that's a meal time where it's, you know, device free or overnight. If you're not an emergency worker, that your phone's not in your room. It might be a digital Sabbath where, you know, one day a week that you say, okay, guys, let's not do YouTube all day. Yeah. It could be that simple. Mm -hmm. So just having space in your life where you hold down the off button on a regular basis. That's the H. The A is always put people first. So if your friend, your spouse, your kid comes in and you're looking at your phone and we've all done it, you're looking down at your phone, you're like, what? What do you need? Yeah, I know. I'll be there in 10 minutes. And the whole time you never look up at your child, right? You just like are looking at your phone. And if that happens once in a while, that's not a big deal. But if that's what they see many times when they come to you, Mm -hmm. they're going to start believing okay, I guess I must not matter very much to my mom because she is always Mm -hmm. looking at that phone. Or that's what I should do to other people. Or that's how I should do it to other people because that's how people do it. So always put people first. And that Mm -hmm. is practicing the pivot, which simply means that when you're on the phone and your head is down, when you hear someone coming towards you, you look up 
from your phone and you're like, hey, how are you? What's going on? Versus, yeah, what's going on? What's, you know, and you're just looking down at your phone. So you literally mm-hmm. look up and look at your children, look at your spouse, look at your friend. So mm-hmm. practice that pivot. Always put people first. Be in habit is brush daily and it means live with a clean conscience that there are a lot of unsavory things. There's a lot of things that are sinful that aren't just a snare to our kids or a snare to us. It could be shopping. It could be movies. It could be just an escape. It could be anything. But Lord, cleanse me. Is there something that Mm -hmm. I've seen that I shouldn't have seen? Is there something I've wasted time on that I shouldn't have? Am I obsessing because I wasn't in that group picture and I'm Mm -hmm. sad that I wasn't invited? Like, Lord, brush my conscience. Keep me clean before you. The I is I will go online with purpose. These are good tools. They are. I like that. But you have to go online Mm -hmm. with purpose. I was visiting Biola University my alma mater. And I saw a young you know, college student who was carrying his phone and a little leather, uh, little leather notebook strapped to his phone. And I asked him, what is that? And he said, every time I do something on my phone, I take out my little notebook and I write like the word of what I'm going to do, email. And then I do it on my phone and then I wrap it all back up again. I think it was a business major. I was like, you're going to be the CEO. Like, that's pretty brilliant. So he literally disciplines himself. He's like, I waste a lot of time on my phone. And so I didn't want to do that anymore. So now I just strap this little notebook on my phone. Like he could write like YouTube 10 minutes and then he could Mm -hmm. do YouTube 10 minutes and then he just straps it all back in and puts it in his pocket. Because that's the struggle is that you start out with good intentions and then all of a sudden, 30 minutes later, what are you looking at? Yeah, it was amazing. And it was like this really cool leather looking pad. So it looked nice and he put it in his pocket. That's the total picture of I will go online with purpose. I will truly be Mm -hmm. here to do my email that's actually business related. And then I will actually walk away from my desk. Like, so I will go online with purpose. And then the T is take a hike. That get outside. If the weather allows, just a few minutes outdoors will do a world of good that the creation declares the glory of God. The punishment used to be go to your room. Mm -hmm. Right. And now the punishment is, is go outside. And the kid's like, what am I supposed to do outside? (laughs) Oh, so true. (laughs) So, you know, spend time outdoors, go to national parks with your family, go on walks, look at the ocean, go to a lake, go to the mountains, look at a tree. Like all these things are really replenishing and they're still. And we need it and our kids need it. So if we can make a habit of these things, it, it will help us in this digital age. Okay, I have a practical question for you because obviously we want our kids to have friends. We want them to be involved. And so obviously I'm guessing that all of your kids' friends maybe don't have the exact same values at home, even if they have like similar values, but maybe not how it plays out. And so what do you do, say, if friends are coming to your house? Do you do anything different? Or say they're going out, they're going somewhere with friends or they're going over to a friend's house. I would think eventually at some point, we're also having to extend some trust. Yeah. So what's going through your head as you're meeting some Mm -hmm. of these obstacles? My daughter, Lucy, she's the baby. And so we've kind of introduced this concept. And again, I heard this on a podcast. So don't think, you know what experts are? Experts are people that listen to other people and then kind of remember what they say and then say it back. So that's got out. That's right. See, we're trying to sharpen our mind here if I'm listening (laughs) to you. That's right. Thank you. So they talked about like green light, yellow light, red light, friends, right? And just the way they said it was so lovely that my daughter really understood it, that a green light, totally safe, same values. You're not getting in trouble with this person. You feel 100% comfortable with this person. Yellow Mm -hmm. is like, there's some good in this person, but I, you know, I don't fully trust them. And red is like, okay, if I hang out with this person, I'm going to like have a tattoo in the morning and be vaping in the bathroom and I'm six, you know, so, you know, (laughs) so you get it. So when your kids are growing up this way, and truly, if you have these kind of conversations, and even show them in your own life, 
you know, like talk like this is why I chose Miss Kristen as my friend. She's a green light friend and this is what it makes. Now, I know you don't talk like this to your 18 year old, but you know, to your younger kids, you, this is how you're talking. So by the time they are older and they are free to choose their own friends and they are free to, to do things when you don't know, you're kind of in them. Like how you've mm-hmm. raised them goes with them. So when they're mm-hmm. at the person's house and they are playing a video game that they're not sure they should be playing, their own mind is also saying, I probably shouldn't be playing this. Or mm-hmm. the movie comes on and you're, they're like, I'm probably not supposed to watch this or whatever. I'm not comfortable watching this. We only did sleepovers with a few people that we felt like yeah. we knew very, very well. And then the other mm-hmm. things, we would just not do the sleepover part and then pick them up at like 11 or 12. Yeah. So we did things like that. And then like when we're the host, then, you know, one year we hosted um, my daughter's birthday party and we didn't say anything about the phones. It was kind of new, you know, she was just getting kind of older. And then we realized that was a mistake because there'd be all these pockets of girls and they're just like staring at their phone and it was like a different vibe. And we were like, oh no, we shouldn't have done that. So then since it was already kind of out, then I felt dumb being like, oh, give me your phone, give me your phone, give me your phone. So we just kind of left it like that. But the next year for the birthday, Mm -hmm. then we learned like, okay, and that's how we do it. You know, is everybody put your phone in the bucket. Obviously, yeah, collect the phones. If you need to call your mom, if you want to take a picture, like, fine, grab your phone, take a picture, do the thing and then put it back. Yeah. So things like that. So at your home, That's you good. can control more what you mm-hmm. want the, the time to look like. And then when they're going to someone else's house, you're right. Like you cannot tell that other mom, like I expect my mm-hmm. child to have this, at this, you know. So sometimes you can throw yourself <laughs> under the bus first, say, hey, I am like an overly zealous, crazy mom and it's on me. And I'm just curious, are you guys planning to watch a movie? You know, what kind of video games do you let your son play? And just Mm -hmm. all on you. What are your technology Mm -hmm. rules? Yeah. Make it sound like you're the outrageous one. You know, like accuse yourself. Mm. Like you're going to think I'm super difficult and I'm really manipulative. And then she'll be thinking like, what's she going to say? And then you just say what kind of, and then she'll be like, oh, Oh, yeah, that's fine. Yeah. Yeah. We watch Marvel movies, you know, like it's going to be totally fine. Uh They're going to be like, okay, so throw yourself under the bus. You know, don't say things like, well, at our house, we only eat, you know, veggies (laughs) and hummus. What will you be serving at your sleepover? You know, so never, (laughs) never sound like that or even insinuate like that. Well, Arlene, we could go on forever. And I just Mm -hmm. want to ask you a thousand questions more to go deeper. But that's why you've blessed us with these resources, these amazing books about happy moms and happy husbands and happy wives. I mean, you have like six books, seven books. You have a podcast. A podcast. Yes. Tell us your personal resources that we haven't mentioned. And then any resource that you think our listeners would enjoy that have meant a lot to you. Because as you've said, you're the expert from growing your own expertise. Expert. Exactly. From interviewing for the experts. You know, I have my uh, degree yeah. is in journalism. And so I was able to use that by interviewing people for my books. So that's been what's been so fun. Nice. So I have nine books. I have some in the 31 Days series is 31 Days to a Happy Husband, 31 Days to Becoming a Happy Wife, and 31 Days to Becoming a Happy Mom. And all of those are written like a, like a quick daily read that has a mm. principle in it to become that happy mom, happy wife, etc. And then like an action step and a prayer. So those are really, really, really fun. And those are the ones that I interviewed people for. And they're all written for the wife. A lot of times people think the husband book is for the husband. And then they'll be like, wait a minute, I'm supposed to read this one too. But <laughs> I write to women. So what can I say? Great. So that's okay. that one. Good to know. Yeah. And then um, Growing Up Social is actually the first edition of a screen type of book that I wrote with Dr. Gary Chapman. That's been revised. 
And so I would encourage people to get Scream Kids. That's the newest one. That's because things change so quickly. The first one was written in 2014 and things change so quickly. So Scream Kids is the one that you'd want to get now. And that's co-authored with Dr. Gary Chapman. And Grandparenting Screen Kids is a companion book because a lot of grandparents, they're watching their grandkids a lot these days. Mm -hmm. And you can obviously Mm -hmm. find my books on Amazon, Barnes & Noble, wherever you buy books. And then you can go to my website, ArlenePelican.com. It's just my name. And you can find I have the Happy Home Podcast. And we actually, during COVID, while we were all cooped up together, I was like, let me make a little video documentary of the kids, my kids, talking about what really, like their side of the story. Like you hear my mom saying, no, we don't have a phone. And and you hear her saying, we're all fine with it. You know, so I wanted to be like, okay, kids, are you left out? Do you have friends? Do people make fun of you because you don't have social media? Are you ostracized because you don't have a phone? So they actually will answer those questions. And it's a little Uh, documentary called Screen Kids in their own words. And I'll send you the link for that. So you can put that in the show notes, but it's happyhomeuniversity.com is where you can find those things. I love that. Well, like Amy said, I really do feel like we've just scratched the surface. And so everybody go check out her resources. And the truth is we're all learning and we're all growing. And so like you said earlier, yeah, there's really no shame there. That's not from God, mm-hmm. you know, but we're just trying to honor him better, trying to again start over every day and just say, Lord, how do we honor you? How do we, you know, help our family to thrive? And so as we wrap up, Arlene, would you just leave us with a final word of advice or encouragement? Just whatever it is that you really want everyone to know. You know, the thought that comes to mind, we've talked about digital health, like just kind of watch yourself today because we've been talking about it. You've been listening to the podcast mm-hmm. and I'm so glad you have. And think about your phone like a hot potato, like you've done what you need to do with mm-hmm. it. Now get it out of your hands and just think from your kid's perspective, from your spouse's perspective, if you're married, what do you look like? Are you with your phone a lot? Are you holding your phone a lot? Are you, mm-hmm. you know, I can feel it when I'm holding my phone and my kids are looking at me. I feel it like I've tried to become very aware of it. And I'm, I've made that an uncomfortable feeling so that if they're looking at me that I almost have to explain like, oh, I'm texting Nana back. Like my mom is always texting, you know, like, oh, I'm at the grocery store. What do you need? And so I'm answering mm-hmm. her and my kids are seeing this, you know, things like that. So just like kind of have that self-awareness of trying to catch yourself. Mm-hmm. Like, what do I look like to them? And how can mm-hmm. I treat this more like a hot potato to like use it? and then get rid of it so that it's not in my hands so that I can be there more fully present with the people that are in the room. These are such good tools. I've written so many notes and I just can't thank you enough. You have truly been a gift to walk in obedience. I know this was a calling of God on your life. And Arlene, you've just faithfully given yourself to this ministry and what a resource, what a gift to us. I'm going to remember all these wonderful analogies and clean up some of my act and try to help my grandkids. We're just so thankful. It's been amazing. Thank you so much for having me. Well, all of the resources mentioned are linked in the conversation notes. You can also subscribe to this podcast for free, however you like to stream, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Podbean, or Stitcher. We also would love to connect with you on Instagram and hear what you'd add to the conversation. You can find us at The Messy Table Podcast. And in those conversation notes I just mentioned, we are also going to link up some past New Year's episodes, like the one with Tara Lee Cobble, where we talk about the value of reading through the Bible, like the one with Rachel Cruz, where we talk about honoring God with our finances, and like the one with Emily P. Freeman, where we talk about making God-honoring decisions. So look those up if you haven't already heard them or if you need to hear them again like I do. And as you head back into your world, your week, and into the rest of the new year, don't forget that yes, life is messy, 
but God is at work in your mess.